Welcome to the Trinity Galewood podcast. Here you'll find teachings, sermons, discussions, and additional content all related to what's going on here at Trinity. Trinity Galewood is located at 1701 North Narragansett in Chicago, and we meet Sundays bi-weekly at 10.30 a.m. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Trinity Galewood podcast. All right, would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much uh, for your word. Once again, the calling that you have given us to follow, follow you. And I pray, God, that as we learn more and more about that calling, the complexity of it, the challenge, uh, the fear and the excitement, may your spirit be uh, the very thing that gives us courage to lean in and uh, to grow in that calling. It's all in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So uh, we are continuing on in uh, this series called Follow. And if you remember last week, we uh, introduced this discipleship path. Anybody remember this by chance? Show of hands. All right. So um, in this, our hope is that at, at here at Trinity, this is unique to Trinity here uh, and also our other locations in the western suburbs, is that uh, this discipleship path, what we are seeing is that uh, as Jesus calls us to follow, that there are certain paths and milestones that we go on. And if you remember last week, we talked about this first milestone stone of there are on-ramps. Remember we talked about how Jesus invites us to come and see, right? And this is in various ways of how this works and looks, whether uh, you show up here on a Sunday morning because somebody invited you to come, whether you like witnessed the fall party a couple years ago or whatever it is, there is kind of this like first step. And then the second step leads into these two, which is discover and commit, And uh, and today we're going to be talking about that, but I want to keep moving forward so we can capture all this, that uh, also that leads into this small group to be a part of a community of people to grow collectively. We believe that's done in uh, relationship. It's not just done individually, but it's done with a group of people as well that leads to a discipler, somebody who's willing to not just participate in a group, but lead other people in this calling that they have to small group leader and then finally to a coach. And and when this this little path comes out, I want you to not only identify like, okay, like where do I fit in this, but also acknowledging the fact that like this is just a, a, a way for us to try to have you move forward in the right direction. I recognize that this path, you're like, uh, man, I don't even know if I'm on that path right now. And, and that's, that's okay. Our, our hope would be that you wouldn't get lost in like moving from left to right or like looking down on those who are just in a small group. But instead that we would have these kind of guardrails to, to move us forward in the right direction. This is messy, but this is a way that we see God working. And it's in that light that we come to our passage today in follow in our next step in the path called uh, discover and commit. Now it's important for us to recognize that these two things have to go hand in hand. 
uh, they must be together. To discover and commit have to come together because commitment with no discovery is irresponsible. To commit to something without like asking questions, discovering what it is, is irresponsible. But to discover with no commitment leads us nowhere. They were constantly just in this discovery mode all the time. And so these two things must happen together to discover and commit. And uh, with that, I want to tell you a little story. So um, when I first moved here, uh, I was at some like dinner party that somebody had invited me to. And I met this guy. His name was Ted. All right. And it was kind of a weird circumstance of how we met, but like, it was one of these like moments where we just had a really good conversation and uh, things like were just kind of going well and stuff like that. And uh, Ted tells me, he's like, hey, I, I would love for you to join me uh, in, in a leadership training activity. You're a pastor. I'm sure you want to like become a better leader and stuff like that. Would you be interested in coming to this? And I said, sure, that sounds awesome. Here's my number. Let's connect later, right? So he... Uh, he calls me like the next day and he's like, hey, Dave, had a great conversation with you. Remember, my name's Ted. Uh, this training is happening in like two weeks on a Tuesday night. Would you be interested in coming? And uh, I was like, sure, why not? And I wanted to prove how good of a leader I was by inviting somebody along. So I reached out to my really good friend. He's here today with us, Eric Holly, uh, right over there. I said, Eric, you want to be a leader too, right? Like, do you want to come along with me to this leadership training thing? And Eric is just the most gracious person in the world. And he's like, absolutely. I definitely want to be there, right? And so uh, I pick up Eric on this Tuesday. We drive into the city. We go to this building off of Michigan Avenue. And this guy, Ted, he's waiting outside of the building. And he's stoked. He's like, man, this is so great. I'm so excited that you guys are here, all sorts of stuff. And we get into the elevator and, and Eric is like kind of asking some questions of like, so what exactly are we doing and stuff like that? And he's like, oh, just wait, you'll find out, you'll see, right? And so we get off the elevator and we uh, go to this table and then there are like people sitting at the table and they are like, like saying, okay, we just need some information for, from you before you can go into the room. So uh, we need your name, we need your address, we need your phone number. We need your social security number. I, of course, I wasn't going to give him my social security number, all right? That wasn't what they asked, all right? But they said, uh, like, all right, we had this little conversation of like, well, I don't know what you're going to do with it, all sorts of stuff. And finally, after a little bit of argument, they said, okay, go inside. So we go inside, and there's like 200 people in the room, right, sitting in this semicircle. And... I'm sitting next to Ted, and then Eric's on my other side, and this lady comes out, and everybody starts clapping, right? And I'm like sitting here like, okay, we're clapping now. This is, this is kind of strange, all right? All right, here we go. And, and she goes on to this long conversation. It's a really good talk. She, she talks about the power of yet, and that we need to implement the word yet into our language. So I'm not rich yet. And everybody was like, ooh, 
right? And then like people start raising their hand and we're like, yeah, I know, like I, I, I live by that principle and like now I've got a raise and all this sorts of stuff and things are just going on and, and like seriously, like 20 minutes in, I start to notice that behind me, the doors that we walked in, that those people who were collecting information, they start bringing tables inside of the room, right? And they start lining it in the back. And at the very end of this talk, the lady finishes by saying this, you might not think you're a great leader yet, but you need to sign up for this leadership training for $300 for the next two months and you will become a great leader. In fact, we have brought people into the back that you can make this decision today to commit to your leadership all you need to do is say yes right now. Go talk to somebody in the back. Eric, I think at that point, wanted to kill me. <laughs> and in fact, he pulled the classic like, oh, hey, look, my wife's calling me on the cell phone. I got to go. I got to get out of here, right? And I'm sitting there with this guy, Ted, and I'm like, dude, what? the heck? Why would you do this? Right? It's for that reason that we decided to bring some tables out here today and make you commit. <laughs> no, like, like when we're in that place, in that mode, right? Like discovery with no discovery, commitment with no discovery is irresponsible. But discovery with no commitment never moves us forward. And it's important for us to get this because I think that what Ted was doing to me and Eric is something that we do in the church often. I think it's something that we trick people with. In fact, we pull verses uh, like, like this that we actually read in week number one of follow. Remember this? We said, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he, being Jesus, saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. They were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. You remember this? Week number one, we used this verse. We had all of you stand up, right, and say that Jesus is calling you. And then, and then we read that he calls these fishermen, the people who were the rejects in that area. And we read, Matthew writes in in or Matthew chapter four, it says right after that, immediately they left their nets and followed him. That is really irresponsible, right? This guy, Jesus, just called them and then all of a sudden they just leave. In fact, it goes on. He reads this at, right after that in verse 21. It says, and going from there, he saw two other brothers. This is Jesus, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. And in the boat with Zebedee, their father, two guys fishing with their father Zebedee. They're mending their nets, and he called them. And again, immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. Imagine that conversation. Hey, Dad, we're done doing this. We're going to go follow the guy in the sandals, right? Like, like, this just seems incredibly irresponsible. It does. And when you read scripture from this perspective, when you read it as Matthew writes it here, Matthew is writing to a specific context of people, people who are Jewish in their tradition who understood what faith and trust really looked like. 
And maybe you've sat in church before and you've heard this sermon preached before. Words that say, like, if Jesus is not Lord of all, then he's not Lord at all. And that you got to make this decision right here, right now, in this moment. And my fear is that we do this in church. We force people to commitment without discovery. But, but thank God that there are multiple writers that give us insight in this story in particular. In fact, uh, Matthew wasn't the only one who wrote about this moment. There are four gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew writing to a particularly Jewish audience. Luke writes to a group of Gentiles, people who do not understand faith and Jewish traditions. And in Luke's telling of this same exact story, there's more color and detail that I hope you and I will find hope in as we discover and commit. Look at these words here in Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Michelle just read these words. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. The lake of Gennesaret is the Sea of Galilee. It's the same exact place that Jesus was. It's the same story. In fact, Luke tells us, he gives us a little more detail. After Jesus was walking up, actually he was teaching a group of people. And it's important for us to recognize that following Jesus begins with listening to him, to listening to what he has to say. It comes with information. To follow Jesus, to, to be a part of his mission means that I begin to learn and study the words that he says. And in fact, if you're a part of a, a culture or a place that doesn't allow you to like know who Jesus is or be a part of groups of people where you ask questions, that's more of like falling into cult territory. I would advise you to run away. That you should be a part of groups that allow for discovery in conversation. He continues here in verse two, says this, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them for they were washing their nets. More detail of what's happening here. Jesus is teaching a group of people. The fishermen are done. They have brought their boats on shore and now they are mending or cleaning, washing their nets. Now, like first century fishermen, they weren't uh, using a fishing pole, a worm, and a bobber. The way they would fish was with a net. And the fishing time, that I'll explain in a little more detail, would be at night. And so they're done for the day. They, they've come in, and they're listening in on what Jesus is teaching. They're hearing the words that he's saying. And it continues here. It says, getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, also known as Peter, he asked him, Jesus asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. I love this. Jesus is teaching. And he sees these fishermen listening. He sees their boat and he asks them, hey, can I borrow your boat 
to push me out a little bit so I can continue to teach. And then the crazy thing happens. This next moment. When Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Peter, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And what's happening in this moment is culturally so crazy. Jesus, the carpenter, Jesus, the one who's come here, is now saying to her fishermen, hey, let's go fishing. And as I said before, fishing in the first century was always done at nighttime. The reason it was done at nighttime was because the fish would rise to the surface of the water. And if you're fishing with a net, that's the best time to go. But during the daytime, as the sun would hit the water, the fish would sink lower into the sea. And Jesus is saying, it's daytime, the opposite time to go fishing. Why don't we go fishing? Out into the deep area. See, Jesus is asking Peter to do something that he has done before, but now he's asking him to do it differently. He's asking him to do something that he's done before, but now I want you to do it differently. Peter's response is great. He says this, Master, interesting that you'd use those words. Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. We were out there. We didn't get anything. But at your word, I'll let down the nets. He asked him to do something that he's done before, but now he's saying, I want you to do it differently. And imagine like what is hanging in the balance here. I mean, I love this story because um, like Jesus like doesn't come and like says, hey, Peter, I'm going to convince you here why we should go out fishing. That if today, if you follow me and do as I say, let me show you what I'm going to present to you later in life. Because, you know, Peter has this incredible tomb that's named after him. It's known as St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. It's massive and huge. The greatest, probably most expensive uh, piece of real estate that exists in the world. If you're wondering how big it is, just look at the tiny little people there at the bottom. This is where Peter's body lays. And Jesus in this moment doesn't say, hey, Peter, if you follow me today, guess what? You're going to have this huge tomb dedicated to you. Instead, Jesus comes and says, let's do something that you've always done, but let's do it differently. Let's discover. And so Peter goes out. We read. And he goes out, and this is what happens. When he had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. This 
is just a moment where all of a sudden they are filled up with all these fish. They had been toiling all night to get fish and now the boat is beginning to sink and they're calling for other people to come out and get the fish. And I love this. Verse, verse eight here, it says, but when Simon Peter saw it, when Peter saw this whole thing happen, he fell down at Jesus's knees saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Not O Master, O Lord. See, in the midst of this moment, when they have all of these fish coming on, Peter is not like, oh man, we are going to have an incredible fish fry tonight. That wasn't his response. In the midst of this moment, when, when God had provided this incredible thing, he doesn't even focus on the fish. Instead, he falls at Jesus' feet, and he realizes that this is no longer about fishing. He realizes who he is. He says, I'm a sinful man. Because it's in that moment that Peter recognized who Jesus was. And in recognizing who Jesus is, we begin to recognize who we are. In recognizing, I'm going to say it again, who Jesus is, we begin to recognize who we are. And it's in this moment that it would be the beginning of Peter's relationship with Jesus. And so, for he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that had been taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee. Remember those guys? They left their father. They're there because he's telling this same story. Who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and they followed him. More color into understanding this calling that Jesus has, one that is filled with discovery and commitment. And when I read this story, it really helps me better understand this calling that Jesus gives us to follow him. These two pieces working together that we discover and commit. But when I read this story in particular, I see four different people. Because I recognize that here this morning that we may all be at very different levels of where we are. See, first, <clears throat> I'd love for us just to see that maybe you're someone that's here and you're just like still discovering. And, and my hope for you would be that you would just sit and listen. Maybe you have some big questions about faith or maybe you've never been at church before and your roommate dragged you along. Man, we are just excited that you are here today and I hope and pray that every single time that you would come that you would hear more about who Jesus is. And my challenge for you would simply be to just continue to come, to ask questions, to be willing to say, hey, I don't necessarily get why a guy 2,000 years ago has made such an impact that that should shape my life today. 
If that's you, I just applaud you for being here and continue to sit and listen. But maybe you're not there. The second person I see in this is that we need to loan him the boat like Peter did. He just let Jesus borrow his boat. And that's a little bit of an inconvenience for Peter in that time. All right, sure, take, take the boat. And, and, and I see this in our own lives that like there are times that following Jesus will be an inconvenience for you and me. It's not just gonna work always in your favor and how you want it to be. Jesus can be an inconvenience for us. And, and that comes just by maybe getting here on Sunday mornings. That comes by taking a leap of faith to, to serve or be a part of what's happening. That comes by willing to ask the tough question and not just settle for arguing about silly little things. Loan them the boat. The third is, is simply maybe you're in the spot of that God is calling you to take him fishing. What I mean by that is that God wants you to do something that you have done before in a new way. Something that you've been doing maybe for a long time and now God is saying, you know what, there is going to be a new way of how I want you to live and see this. And, and that could be in a relationship, that could be financially, that could be in your job, or even a different approach at home. But I'd be willing to bet that I can't, that, that, the, that if I just say these words, I really need to, and you fill in that blank, that's the thing that God is prodding at you about. If you hear the statement, I really need to begin, that that might be that, that step that God is kind of pushing and nudging and saying, I want you to trust me in this. I want you to take me fishing. Or lastly, as Jesus calls, to leave your net and follow him. To commit to be a part of the mission that God is doing in this world. To be so bold to surrender, to say, God, I desire to uplift what you say above all else. And that's hard to do. But that I would desire to look, live, and love more like him. And see, when I, when I hear this, story too though I I get it like I think I think like it would be a lot easier to commit if I was like like Peter right and Jesus was right there and he said all right all right Dave let's uh let's go out for lunch today after church right and he's like hey what's uh what's your biggest struggle and anxiety and be like man I just wish I had all the money in the world so I didn't have to do anything and then Jesus like all of a sudden was like hey guess what Boom, here's all the money in the world, right? 
It'd be pretty incredible. In fact, you want to go out to lunch with me after church today, let me know, right? But, but that's, not, that's not always how, or not how, God necessarily works. And so you're like, okay, well, I, I want that moment. I wish that would happen. And, and I guess today what I would say to you is that that's not how God has worked in my life. But what I do know is that I've seen God work in an incredibly powerful way. And, and the most powerful way that he's done that is what he would show the disciples themselves. Because it wasn't about miracles that kept them following him. It wasn't because of this one moment that Peter was like, oh man, now I fully get it, everything's good. No, they would need miracle after miracle after miracle. That not just to like show that, hey, Jesus is special, but that he is God. But he would finalize that by saying, I am worth following because of what I have done for you. Because I have given my life for you. Because I have sacrificed myself. God himself came to earth, taking on flesh, dying on a cross, and rising again from the dead. What an incredible message this is that we have, but it is what we cling to and hold on to as well, that this is what God has done. And he invites us to discover in that story but to commit to being a part of that as well. Let me pray. Father, I thank you so much that you are a God who who doesn't just manipulate, doesn't allow for us to just have to mold into being these perfect people that don't have questions. God, I pray that we would be so bold to come to you with our concern, our fear, all of which are anxiety, that we would bring that to you. And God, I pray that as a community of people, that we would continually point one another back to you to what you've done in this place. God, it is an incredible invitation that you give us. And God, as we discover and seek to understand why you do the things that you do, may may we commit as well to the promises that you give, to the hope that comes through your death and resurrection. I pray, God, that that would be our source of hope, our source of strength, our identity in who we are, that we would cling to you. And that we would see that that wouldn't just be some sort of safety for when death comes or when challenging things happen, but that would be our source of all that we do all the days of our lives. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.